This is Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. All right, so let's go ahead and get started. And first of all, I want to say I'm excited to be back. It's, Hello. It's been six weeks since I've been on the podcast. Welcome back, Pastor Tom. It feels like six weeks since I've been on the podcast. Because <laughs> it's just like, I mean, at this point, what is what has been six six weeks is how it's also felt like six years. has also felt like six millennials. It's just, and also it felt like six hours ago, all at the same time. So it's just been great. Yes, it has. I, I would agree with that. Um, and so we find ourselves coming back during the week of Holy Week, and um, I, I had an interesting phone call from someone who is uh, on Wednesday. They are not a member of this church. Uh, they have a family member who's a member here. They are athlete, actually Catholic. And she said, um, I didn't know that Baptists did Holy Week. I've been really surprised to see your daily post. And so I guess starting out, I want to say, First of all, growing up in the church, growing up Baptist, she would be correct that I, I never heard any discussion about um, Busy Tuesday or Monday Thursday. In fact, the first time I heard of Monday Thursday was when I was in the Marine Corps and the Catholic um, services had different days of the week. You you could get out of uh, out of your job essentially and go to each one of them. And so I'm like, I'm in. Um, <laughs> and so I went to all the Holy Week services. Um, but uh, that doesn't mean that Baptists historically haven't recognized Holy Week. And I think I want to start out kind of um, epistemologically and say, should we focus on Holy Week? And if we should, why? And so um, let me throw that out there. What do you guys think of it? I mean, what has your, your experience in the church as well? I th- <laughs> That's we all stand awkward, stare awkwardly at each other. Uh, well, uh, for me, um, I, I would say absolutely. I mean, it's in Scripture, so it's part of what we do and we learn and we know about Jesus. But it helps me to stay focused for that solid week on the upcoming holiday. So it gives me day by day as I'm looking at what is happening and what Jesus did each day, whether it's, you know, Silent Wednesday, or you know, we found out it was Holy Monday. Yes, you know, Holy Monday or Holy Saturday. Each one of those days um, just helps me to stay focused on what's coming and getting my heart in preparation for Easter as I'm preparing to teach to the little kids. It just helps me and personally. Right. Yeah, and I would say, like growing up in the Baptist Church, um, it was. I mean, you think you got you know Good Friday, like that's pretty. Yeah. It's pretty common. You somebody may have a good yeah. Friday if you're if you're a real hip church. You may have a good Friday service if you're just real sure. cool. Um, and Are we and not trendy enough. I guess not. I guess we've not. done. We've um, when the commu- our com- the community that we're in in Glencoe has a Holy Week where every day of the week a different church opens, mm-hmm. uh, and and it's uh, the Baptists, the Presbyterians, and the the uh, um, the Assembly of Gods are all in that that kind of cycle. Um, and so, um, we've done Good Friday, Maundy Thursday. In fact, four years ago, we did Maundy Thursday and this place was packed. We did. And you know, the first mention I remember of Maundy Thursday, and I remember not knowing how it's spelled. Thankfully at one of the churches that I went to, they gave a little handout because if they were saying it, I was going Monday through Thursday. What what do they they mean? (laughs) Monday, Thursday. I I remember, but I was, you know, I was in my thirties at that point. Um, and remember hearing it and it was one of the local community services. 
Yeah, and so you, I, I definitely have like Good Friday and stuff like that. Like you think of, uh, like I remember growing up, there was a local church that on Good Friday, like Friday afternoon, they would always they have you know a huge cross display and then hang people on the cross oh. for yeah. for you know three hours or whatever. And it's like, man, like this is the coolest thing in the world. And it's like you look at it, you think of it like an adult, and you're like, wow, that's a, that's a lot of that's a big risk of splinters there. Like that's just a lot going on. Um, <laughs> or if you 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 know how Easter changes every year yeah. like this year it's really early um, it's gonna be 15 degrees on this yeah the dude who's, who's wearing his short shorts on that <laughs> so i remember those kind of things uh and, and it doesn't seem until like probably the last year to two years of holy week becoming now every every church has some sort of video drop or some sort of something they're doing online or even so, or, or trying to recognize every day of that week. And I, I don't I don't necessarily know why I don't know if I can put my finger on why that's the case. Um, but probably up until the last year to two years, at least in our area, it's just been you know Good Friday, Saturday, Sunday. We focus on those three, and then obviously Palm, the Palm Sunday before. Um, but all the other days are just you know, I mean they're there, and I'm not sure they ignored them, but. It wasn't probably a church-wide recognized kind of thing. Maybe it's not something we talked about. Sure. And and I will say that I always look for any opportunity, if it's a holiday, um, especially because everybody's talking about it, everybody's thinking about it, and that's an opportunity to speak into everybody's lives where they may hear a little bit better than they would during the normal grind of of getting up in the morning, getting the kids off to school, going to work, coming back, making supper, doing laundry, at just that normal day to day grind, we we get a little bit of a break. Um, last couple of years, uh, Glencoe, uh, I started to say AEA week, and we haven't called it that for like twenty years. Uh, <laughs> spring break has fallen on Holy Week, and yeah. so people are paying attention a little bit more. Um, I started doing the video drops last year because I just anything we can do to get in front of people because of COVID uh, right. happening. Yeah, uh, got a lot of positive feedback, and then had several people say, "Oh, I'm looking forward to you doing that." Like it had been a 20 year tradition, and so I'm like, "Oh, I guess we're doing that again." Um, I enjoy it, and again, it. I've really been shocked with. Um, you know, there's some some debate because the the gospel writers weren't planning on setting a calendar up, and so did uh, was busy Tuesday. Did some of that stuff actually happen on Monday? Did it actually? And so those kind of discussions I love having. And so when members are engaging enough to where they're looking up the text and they're reading it, I'm like, well, did this? And this reads to me like this may have happened on Monday. I'm 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 like, yes, because our mandate as a church is not to you know, have a certain level of giving, have a certain level of people in the building, and have a certain level of membership. Our mandate as a church is to make disciples. And the way that we go about making disciples is the same way that Jesus went about making disciples. And one of those tools is teaching. I mean, the most, if we go back to that, you know, when everybody wore the bracelets, what would Jesus do? The most often repeated verb in reference to Jesus in the New Testament is he taught. So the answer to the question, what would Jesus do? 90% of the time would have been he would have used the situation to sit down and teach somebody. Yeah. And so if we want to be like Jesus, that means that we take every platform that we get, every opportunity that comes our way to turn that conversation to say, well, you know what this says about Jesus? 
And and as a young preacher, I pushed back against seasonal stuff. I, for some reason, it just felt cheesy to me because I'd grown up in a world where, like on Mother's Day, all the sermons were like, M is for the milk of human kindness. <laughs> o is for the others that she loves. Uh, it was either that or um, it's always it's always Timothy's mom and grandma. Timothy's every mom and time. yes, Timothy's every mom and grandma. Time. Or, or Occasionally, it was Proverbs thirty one, and then you'll and then every once in a while, if someone wants to get real crazy, you get married. Yeah, but it's one it's one of the it's one of those four. And sometimes if you got a really classical preacher, he'll just rotate all the four. You just really just run through yes. one of the fours each year. It's really cool. Well, you've a good a well written sermon. Why throw it away? Yeah, absolutely, I mean, I already already did it once. If it was if it, if it worked once, it'll work twice. Let me tell you. And then Father's Day was always why all the dads stink. <laughs> <laughs> Let's just we're gonna give you a plastic hammer when you leave. So this gives me an opportunity to tell you why you suck as a father. Here's a key. Here's a keychain. You guys stink. <laughs> and by the way, not that we follow culture or anything like that, but you notice that happens all at the same time in culture. The sermons at the church are all how bad the dads are. All of the sitcoms and everything we were watching on. TV at the same time where the yes. dads are all stupid, you know, I mean. So I, I kind of said to myself, I'm not going to do that. And um, I, in fact, I remember my first church and I was an associate pastor at this church and I was asked to preach on Mother's Day. And like early in the week, somebody said, so what are you preaching on? And I, you know, I, I had a text and I told them and they're like, so you're not, you're not preaching about mothers. And I'm like, no, um, and so the deacons actually sat me down and said, you have, you have to preach about mothers. It's Mother's Day. And so the title of my sermon was, All Mothers Go to Hell, Outside of the Saving Work of Jesus Christ. Um, and how did that go over? Can I say lead balloon? I mean, <laughs> well, in the sermon, I used the flood as an analogy and said that all babies, all little bunnies every, every, were killed, and all the children started crying, and that actually took distracted everybody from the— Tom. <laughs> Tom. <laughs> <Atta> boy. <laughs> Taking notes on what not to do. <clears throat> yes. <laughs> so, and I wonder why I've been fired from a church. Um, Strange. Matt? I read, <laughs> I read Spurgeon say uh, that we are stupid if we don't recognize what all the culture is doing and use that as an opportunity to teach. And so that really convicted me that that, that my idea of, well, I'm just going to, uh, you know, I'm super preacher. I'm just preaching through my text no matter what else is going on, uh, was really arrogant. And I recognize that um, if everybody in the audience is thinking about bunnies and Easter eggs, um, then this is an opportunity for me to push them in the right way instead of just ignoring it. And so this week is the same way. Everybody's kind of curious to what's going on this week. There's a lot of, uh, you know, a lot of the, the, the movies that have been made about the life of Jesus because most of the book of John focuses on this week. Um, they, will, they will have a lot to do with this week. And so this is a time where you've got kind of have a cultural touch point. And I think that we're foolish not to jump on that. And so I, I kind of want to just walk through. We all know uh, Palm Sunday. Uh, what that is. And then uh, at the end of Palm Sunday, Jesus goes back to Bethany. Bethany is kind of his home base this whole week. He's going back to uh, Mary, Martha, and Lazarus, Houth, and, and Bethany. So he gets up Monday morning um, and then goes, as he approaches the city of Jerusalem, he weeps over the city of Jerusalem, and then he goes in. And one of my favorite stories in the whole New Testament, he flips tables. Um <laughs> Actually, had as I kind of was just walking folks through this, I had a couple of people, uh, our teenage 
folks in the audience had a couple of guys say, I was really disappointed because I expected you were going to flip a table again. Yes. For those who are listening in and aren't here on a regular basis, not long ago, Tom literally was flipping tables <laughs> yes. with coins on them in front of the church to, to bring home his point. Yes. And uh, it was what was really funny is when I did it, there was this really uncomfortable silence for maybe two seconds when everybody's like, wow, he really just did that. And then I, I, I kind of, as an aside, said, I really enjoyed doing that, which broke the spell. And everybody's like, oh. <laughs> <laughs> but yes, uh, we talked yesterday with the kids about how both of those standing over the city and weeping and flipping the tables on Holy Monday uh, was, came from a position of compassion. That in the one case, it was compassion over the children of Israel. In the other case, it was really compassion over the Gentiles that that space that was set aside in the temple for Gentiles to be able to come in and pray that had been overran by the selling of animals and money changing uh, had, had overrun. But both of those emotions came from a position of, of compassion. And I was interested to see that the kids were really... Uh, wanted to dive deep on, so what do you mean about this being angry and not sinning? So I can punch my sister if she's... Yes, yes. So last night here at the church, as I was going over with in Kid City, back with all the kids, the little kids that I had, I had a fairly small group because we had uh, obviously had to cancel the Easter egg hunt for, due to bad weather locally. But um, so the, the group that we had back there, we started talking about the, the events of this week, and I'm trying to help them to sort of get in their mind. Um, I connected with them about Jesus going back to Bethany with, you know, that his friends lived there. And this, you know, to try to help build this idea that Jesus was fully man and that he was here and he had people that he loved and hung around with and um, and how far Bethany was, you know, it's just a short walk back to Bethany from Jerusalem and that he's doing all of this work. And so as we're connecting all of these dots and um, excuse me, and I'm trying to help them understand that Jesus is not there celebrating Easter because in their mind, you realize we celebrate Easter. So I'm helping them to sort of, you know, kind of break away and realize that they were celebrating Passover so that we got to jump back into Passover a little bit and about, you know, and about how it was representative of Jesus and Jesus was about to do all of the things uh, or or happen to Jesus, all of the things that had been prophesied or that had been pictured through Passover and the Old Testament and the major prophets. So it was, now, it wasn't too terribly deep with the kids because they're I, again, I'm building and connecting dots with them, but they really wanted to know about the rest of the week. Once sure. we hit Wednesday, and we watched both of your videos that you had posted on social media, and they were like, and they stuck. They were glued. Even like I had a couple of uh, six-year-olds in the group, and they were stuck like glue to your videos. I probably bored the phone. Well, you know, maybe. But <laughs> let's, let's, positive thoughts here. And, uh, but they, they got it, and they were piecing it all together. That's cool. That's cool. And, uh, you know, you bring up a good point about it being the week of Passover because for Americans, sometimes it is easy for us to forget that this week, the city of Jerusalem would have been cram-packed. Yes. Because you've got, I guess... In our minds, would have been would be a mix between Thanksgiving and the Fourth of July. All the families come together and eat. So 
I, that's my holiday. Well, the, the the mental picture that I tried to do with them was to help them. If you've ever been to a large um, here in the South, if you go to a big football game, big big school football game, you know, you get up upper level and you get all these people and there's just tons of people in a mad crash in this place. And they're eating and selling food before the game. And there's hawkers out there with their pom-poms and foam fingers and you know all of this and so I'm trying to build that picture with them and get the idea of what it looked like coming into Jerusalem awesome so we know what happened Monday Tuesday is busy Tuesday that is all about Jesus teaching and as Jesus is walking into Jerusalem again and like you said Bethany is really close in fact where Bethany was is now just Jerusalem it's apartment complexes that are on the outskirts of Jerusalem um He's walking in, and he curses the fig tree. Uh, he uh, he um, debates with the leaders. He debates, teaches his own disciples, and engages with the crowd. And as Matt and I preached through all of his sermons here, we kept having to remind everybody that, and you know, as Jesus said to his disciples, he still has the crowd sitting in front of him that he's engaging with. He still has on one side this wad of Pharisees and on the other side this wad of Sadducees who are trying to trick him, make him stumble. And so when it would say, and he said to the Pharisees, or and he said to the crowd, or and he said to the disciples, that all of those are happening, just him turning to them because He's here in this cram-packed place in the temple, and he's just engaging with everybody. As the, the and I, I just got to say, I know that that's got to be exhausting. Yeah. Um, because he's got people who are on purpose trying to, um, to trip him up to have him misspeak. He's on purpose trying to engage his own disciples, who he knows he's about to leave. I mean, he does, right? Obviously, he on Sunday, he's going to come back from the dead. But even that, he, he engages with them periodically, and then he ascends. His time with them is coming to an end. And so he wants them to get this. He's leaving his church in their hands. And so the that pressure and the pressure of this crowd, he's trying. This is the same crowd that, that cried out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord two days before, and it's the same crowd who's going to yell for his blood in just a few days forward. We know from the New Testament stories that we read two or three times, and Jesus was tired, and he took a nap. Um, you know, be like Jesus, take naps. Uh, <laughs> Amen. <laughs> so it had to have been exhausting as he's walking out and overhears someone saying, man, what an awesome building this is. He uses that as a platform to then teach the Olivet Discourse. And and I think about uh, how often, you know, on Sunday afternoons as I'm leaving the sanctuary and I'm exhausted and that's a good tired, but it's still tired. And somebody will ask a question and the temptation is to go, huh, that's a good question. Catch you later. I got nap time. No, but Jesus then turns and teaches this entire thing of that we know now as the Olivet Discourse to his disciples to prepare them for both the future that's going to be coming in a few years and the future that's still our future and teaching them all of that. So Wednesday is, shockingly uh, to us, is Silent Wednesday. We don't read anything from him. He does for all we know, he took a nap. He, he stays at, at Bethany. He does, we don't have him saying anything. We know, though, that on this day, um, he is betrayed. 
we read in Matthew 26, Luke 22, this is when Judas seeks out the uh, temple leadership and the way Luke words it, it's clear that Judas is the one that brings up the money. It says that the leadership agreed with him that they would pay. So not only does this man stab his friend, his savior, his teacher in the back, he does it for something as base as money. And, and that still, to me, is just mind-boggling and, and heartening in that it's so easy when you witness to somebody for a long period of time and they walk away to feel like a failure or discipling somebody for three or four years and then they call you one night drunk. Uh, whenever I start getting down about those sort of things, I think about the fact that Judas had the best pastor who would ever be, who could give the best analogies that there ever were, who was able to make the blind see and make the lame walk, and yet he still turned away. And so that helps me to keep people other people's walk with Christ in the hands of the Lord. That's, that's my responsibility to teach. It's my responsibility to, to present Jesus to the best of my ability, but the outcome falls on the work of the Holy Spirit, not on my ability. And so Silent Wednesday is both heartening and crushing because I just can't, I can't imagine that somebody that I've been in the trenches with, and I think of how they live, the very fact that Jesus said to someone, the foxes of the air, have, uh, the, the fox of the air, the fox of the ground have home, holds birds of the air, have places to, to, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So these, these 13 men have gone through it together. And the only comparison that I have with that is people that I served with in the military where you're living in a hole, you're, everything is together all the time, and so you, you really look forward to missing people. Um, <laughs> but there, at the same time, there's this bond there that someone in that Jesus mighty men, one of them stabbed him in the back and how that must have hurt. The sense of betrayal. I watched your video uh, late last night from, as we record today, we're on Monday, Thursday. But as I was listening to your uh, teaching last night, um, and, and it hit me the same as what you said. It, it was just striking again to know that Judas did this just for money. Not even, not even a lot of money. Not even like, a not lot even, of money. Nothing that makes it any better, but not even a lot of money. Like it, it wasn't going to buy him all that much. It wasn't going to do that much for him. the conviction over what do I betray Jesus for in my life? What do yeah. I trade him in for? And I think, oh, it was so convicting. I, I just have hey, to say, Hey, I'll do it for know. less than money. I'll do it for free. <laughs> you ain't got to give me anything. I'll do it for free. <laughs> Little idea in my head that I'm, you know, in control of things or, you know, satisfied in those things. In fact, um, as we speak, my family is with some of the other families of the church and we're camping here locally. We don't camp too far away all the time. It allows everybody who needs to work and do those sort of things to come and go as we please. But as we were sitting around the campfire this morning, um, some of the women and I, as we're discussing our our day-to-day and we were talking about the difficulty in loving people, it was, it was very ironic because we were having a discussion about the difficulty in loving people, that even our sisters in Christ or brothers in Christ and those people. And it struck me, we had been talking for about 20 or 30 minutes. It was a gracious conversation. It was not a gossip field, you know, anything like that. It was really about us encouraging and building up one another. And, um, and, and as we were having this discussion, 
I stopped and realized that we were having that discussion on Monday, Thursday, where Jesus leaves that commandment with them to love one. I, you know, I tell you to love one another. Right. And, and as I pointed it out to everybody, it was kind of a moment of like, oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, we're doing that today. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> you know? There you go. Yeah. Which is a good segue to today, uh, as we're recording this, is Monday Thursday. Um, Monday is not a word that we, we use very often. Again, you, you thought it was Monday. Yes. Um, you know, somebody's just saying Monday like you're fancy, like you're just holding your pinky up when you're saying right, Monday. 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 I thought it was somebody with a bad accent the first time, yeah. you know. <laughs> so uh, Monday comes from uh, the Latin word where we get the English word mandate. And, and funny, I asked the kids last night, does anybody know what mandate is? And I, I've taught that to kids a bunch before, and everybody looks at me dumb-faced. The kids immediately said, mask mandate. <laughs> One of the kids said math, too. Um, but he, he was using all of these things, and in his mind, he's starting to try to connect it all together. And he had said this in the back back there as we, before we came out and we're having the discussion with you here at the church. And it was just as I was listening to him try to connect all these dots. Right. And it's so fascinating as the kids do that. Um, I'll throw out a question you may or may not want to answer. But he wanted to know why the blind and the diseased were not allowed into the temple. Uh-huh. Um, well... The temple. Not to interrupt our flow wow, here, but yeah, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> long and short, the temple is a picture of Jesus. That's what I said. And he is without blemish. Without blemish. And so that that's an easy way to, to answer it. So yes. Monday comes from mandate. <laughs> that's back to our, our yes. Um, and um, it, it's where Jesus said, a new commandment I give you, that you love one another. And so that happens on Thursday after Jesus, after the Lord's Supper, uh, which Jesus institutes. I mean, a lot happens on Monday, Thursday. We have Peter and John preparing for the Passover. We have the Passover meal, then Jesus instituting the Lord's Supper, then Jesus washing the disciples' feet and all, all of uh, him, him issuing the new commandment, Jesus IDing his betrayer um, when he says... Uh, Hey, the person who's eating this with me, and then Judas gets up and leaves. So now all the disciples know who's betrayed him. We've got the conversation with Peter, where Peter says, um, "Hey, I'm never going to betray you. I will. I will die for you. I'll kill for you." And Jesus says, "Dude, seriously." You, you. So, do you think at that moment they believed it? No, oh, absolutely. I mean, don't we, when we um, are convicted of our sin and we we repent, go never again, God? And yet, as I've shared with the church, I. I I'll pick up a moleskin from 20 years ago, and I'm still struggling with the same sins today that I struggled with 20 years ago. Oh, yeah. That I've laid on the altar a million times. And so when Pete, I have no doubt, because when the soldiers come up, Peter takes off a dude's ear. And he wasn't aiming for an ear. He's trying to cut this guy's head off, and the guy turns his head, and Peter lops an ear off. So he's completely committed at that moment, but just a few hours later when the circumstances change, he dog cusses a little girl because she accused him of having a redneck accent, so he must be with Jesus. Mm -hmm. And so it just shows how our human heart is bendable. And I, I've heard several preachers that, that bring up the point that in the garden, he's with Jesus, and he's separated from Jesus in the in the courtyard, and then when he has the Holy Spirit, then he's bold again. In fact, he's so bold. It, 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 I love, and I'm reading through Acts now because after we finish Luke, I'm going to preach through Acts. It still blows my mind when um, the the 
temple leadership, the same temple leadership that executed Jesus, so he knows that they, they're serious, says to him, okay, we're going to cut you loose, but two things you're not to teach. Don't teach him about this Jesus, and don't talk about the resurrection, because they were Sadducees. He no sooner gets out when he, he looks, turns around, looks back at them, and says, this Jesus who you crucified, God raised from the dead. I mean, he completely spits in the face of their mandate then goes among the other disciples and prays for boldness. And I'm like, Peter, how much more bold do you want to be? <laughs> I mean, at this point, you're just this side of climbing up on some scaffold and throwing eggs at the, at the high priest. <laughs> I just... <laughs> You say that, and every time somebody talks about like old school, like throwing stuff at people, like climbing up and throwing it down, and I just think of Monty Python, Monty, Monty Python every time they start throwing ducks and geese over the castle wall. <laughs> I don't know. If, I Peter, spit in your general yeah, direction. And, and Peter may have thrown ducks and geese at him. I don't know, but. <laughs> Anyways, and some of, some of those other conversations that happen on Thursday is like when, when Peter gets caught up with the sword, that's when Jesus has said, hey, you need your cloak, have some money, you need a sword. Like, this is some stuff you're going to need because when, when, stuff's about to get rough, stuff's about to go down. And then we go into, we move from there, as Luke had said, that they're going every night out into the Mount of Olives, out to this garden, this olive press. They move out that way, and that happens late on Thursday night after they've eaten. They're going out there to 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 hang out, to rest, because again, the city's crammed full of people. There's not, there's probably not a whole lot of places to stay, especially for 13 guys. So they're going to go out to the mountain and stay like they've been doing every night and hang out. And so then we see the Garden of Gethsemane scene. We see where Jesus says, hey, you guys pray. Jesus goes to pray. He comes back. The disciples haven't prayed. He says, hey, will you please wake up and pray so you don't fall into temptation? Then he goes back and prays again. We see God Comfort Jesus with an angel. We see Jesus sweat drops of blood from the intensity that he's, that, that's going on here. And then he comes back again, and the disciples are asleep again, um, which to no one's surprise. The disciples are asleep again, and then it's just so and, – and I think when, while preaching through this over the last month or so, it was – you think it's just such a Garden of Gethsemane start in it's chopped that's the story then there comes the the when jesus is arrested i think like preaching through it and reading it understanding like the genre of it and seeing it as the narrative seeing how just the emotions of all that day coming to that midnight and then moving into friday i mean like there's no rest involved there's no sleep involved i mean this is like bang 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 things back to back to back to back for a 36 hour period where <laughs> Jesus and the disciples, I mean, everything has flipped upside down, and there's this wasn't supposed this was not the way it was just a few hours ago, and now all this is happening. Like, it's just, I think, reading through that from a narrative standpoint and studying that really intensely and with a lot of purpose, seeing how that narrative works of how everything just in a moment's time flipped and everything was completely different. Uh, and like, again, they're there, we were asleep, and now we wake up in the garden, and there's this five or six hundred people coming to a coming with torches and everything coming to towards us it's like he's like i I can just imagine oh what is that group of people doing oh what oh that oh that fire's getting close oh oh that's That's oh that's that's for us oh uh oh hold on hold on and then there's just the whole conversation where you know out of this crowd emerges judas and i'm just thinking like if i'm one of the disciples i'm thinking and i'm like you jerk oh yeah you stinking jerk 
You know, you come out of the, you come out of this group of guys that have talked bad about you, talked bad about us, talked bad about him. I mean, just thinking of all the emotions that you're feeling there, and then we're going to move into complete and utter brokenness later. It's just reading that and studying all that goes on, just the emotions and just the physical toll it's going to take on obviously Jesus's body from Thursday to Friday, but just the emotional side and the and all the different change that happened with the disciples in those few hours. Like reading that, how they're all so back-to-back, bang-bang kind of things. This is just crazy. Can't you kind of picture it? You've got these two groups of people in this sort of face-off, and it kind of makes you wonder, did they look up and see Judas uh, towards the front or making his way? Do they think he's crossing over? Is he about to walk over here with us where he belongs on our side? Yeah, you know? I'm sure you're asking all the questions. Hey, if they get Judas, why do they have Judas? And then when he, Is he but, walking over here to be but with it's us? All why is he with it's them? all yeah. solved when he comes out and he kisses Jesus. Mm-hmm. When he or, And when he starts to kiss Jesus, and then this was something I also like figured out while studying this is you hear the story, and I think it's Matthew that says he comes and kisses Jesus, but Luke says, he says, but before he could kiss him, Jesus says. Really? Really, God? <laughs> really, this is how you're going to do this? Wow. Yeah, yeah, I, and it, it is so, and if you look at it, so Maundy Thursday starts in the morning early because yeah. the crowds haven't pa- came out yet. Jesus sends Peter and John to go, go get the room. Mm-hmm. So from, let's say, 6, 7 o'clock, Thursday morning until Jesus is crucified, there's, there's not no a breaks. break. Yeah, we see obviously not everything, but we get a lot of information about what happens here. Like we get into from 6 a.m. Thursday to we get all the details of Thursday up all until night. midnight, and then we move into Friday morning. We get all of what goes down on Thursday. And and so everybody's exhausted. Everyone is emotionally exhausted, physically exhausted. Anne was te- telling me, uh, let those of you that don't go to church at North Glencoe, last night I shared the story uh, in my testimony about, or from my perspective, what happened when I had a heart attack uh, six weeks ago. Uh, and Anne was saying that Friday afternoon about four o'clock when the hospital told him okay there's nothing else you you need to go that she and the kids went home and all of my kids and her piled on the bed and William who wouldn't fit on the bed I have five kids so William was on the couch beside the bed and they just all collapsed just from the emotional exhaustion of the day and so I I can kind of see in this case, they don't even get that break. No. It, it's still being strung out until 24 hours of awakeness, Peter is confronted by this little girl. Mm-hmm. And so we, we, I'm not saying we need to cut Peter slack because he denies Jesus. Yeah. And, and but that, we can after, understand. After he had been told, hey, you're going to do this. Right. You know, it's, not, it's not like it just creeped up on him and bit him in the rear end. Like, he had already been told, hey, buddy, you're going to do this. Like, this is going to happen today. And a few weeks before that, he heard Jesus in his teaching say, if you deny me before men, I will deny you before the Father. Right. And so I would be willing to be. And, and the way Luke tells it that Peter denies Jesus the cock crows, and then Jesus, Jesus makes oh, eye contact. Eyes meet him. Yeah, across that courtyard. And, and it says he he he's broken, and it, and it's it, I, I, upset's not the right word. Like right. V- just violent. I'm sure tears and and just a sense of brokenness that is that is not that, that's not an everyday kind of thing of realizing. Shoot. I really like, just did what and this he is, said. And this is—you talked about cutting Peter some slack. It's for me. It's not necessarily. Oh, you know what? Let Peter slide a little bit. It's 
you're just as wicked. Like you can, you can let all of the tiredness of the ebb and flow of Monday, Wednesday, or Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday, all of that get to you. And then when there's an, a moment that the Holy Spirit's brought you to to share with somebody or to disciple somebody or to teach somebody, like you talked about a second ago, I'm angry, I'm tired, I'm wore out. I'm off the clock. I don't get paid for this. I don't, you know, whatever excuse we would want to use. And it's like, you know what? You're, you're just, I mean, how dare you look at Peter and say, Peter, you moron. When I look at myself, it's like, Matt, you idiot. Like you, this is, this is every, everything else is, is everything else is more important to you, whether it be sleep or rest or whatever you want to fill that blanket. Everything else is more important than this moment to love someone else more than I love myself and to show them who Jesus is in this moment for them. That's not what takes priority in my life. And, and, and while Peter is, is, has this moment where he's, where he is faced with the choice of claim Jesus and face possibly what Jesus is facing in those moments or deny him and get away barely with my life. And he picks himself. And so that comes down to the principle of how often for for comfortable sake, for my own personal gain, or just because I'm tired and lazy or whatever, do I pick my gain over the name of Christ? And so it's like, it's not even necessarily cutting Peter slack. It's Matt, you're just as wicked, if not more than he is. And that hurts, like that, and to realize that, and that's again another part of the Holy Week that you look at, and it's which you can do that with all Scripture, any point in time. But as we sit down and look at this with a little bit more of a magnifying glass than we might at other times, we look at this as like, wow, this is not so far fetched. This is something that's still, which which again even shows how great the whole gospel story is, is yes, Peter is who Peter is and the rock that, a, that, that God's church is built on and he preaches and, he, and, he, and thousands of people get saved at Pentecost, but it's not because of Peter, it's because of Christ, it's because of God's work and how what God can do through Peter can be done through us, but what Peter struggled with and where Peter fell and, and stunk it up is where I will fall and stunk it up. And so like it's, it still shows how God's going to use who God's going to use and how awesome it is that God uses us despite our – I mean, there's so many things that are going on here that when, we st- when I stop and look at what's going on during Holy Week and just when I stop and look at the Word in general, it kind of it has a sense of coming to life that, that no other book kind of has for me. All right. And I, I think that for me, very often, it, it, it tends to curb, it has, as especially as I've grown in Christ and grown older, just period, that you it curbs your tongue a lot more with how you discuss someone else's sin or how mm-hmm. you view it. Because you say, I mean, we've often quoted, you know, there but for the grace of God go I, but it's true. When you start to see your own sin more clearly, and then you look at someone else who's struggling, the compassion level changes, the... Now, it's not that we ever justify sin. We never excuse it to say it's See, okay. I, I like that one. I like that one a lot. I like doing that one. Where Oh, I, I, for I, myself. I, yes, I, absolutely. I, I, I did it, but this is... But, <laughs> but I did it, but when they did it, did it, it, it was so it. much worse. Yeah. See, I have qualifiers that make it okay. <laughs> that you know, yeah. I, Let me I, tell I, you I why I did that. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. But, it, it, I mean, accurately, though, as you grow in Christ and as you're walking through that and God is doing all the things that he does in our lives to sanctify us, to make us look more like his son in our lives, we... We start to look at other people, and when you find them and their sin tendencies, you know, as you're walking through this with brothers and sisters in Christ, your <clears throat> motives, the underlying motives to a discussion with someone or about them or, or changes. I, I'm not here because I'm angry at you. I'm here because 
we serve a holy God. The more, you know, the closer that I, in my life and in my walk, the closer that I be, the closer that I walk with Jesus, the, the aim is for the more like him we become. And I think that's just a big part of And if I'm of, shining his light within the community, yeah. then I then I begin to realize, and people know the difference and they see it in our speech and the way we walk and the way we deal with others, that the difference between I love people and I don't love the sin, at the same time, I, I am going to say this is sin. You know, so you're trying to find that fine line as you're always walking through it with people. But when your heart is in the place of humility, when you see and you look back and you read Peter, and so many times I have to say I, I so identify with Peter because I run off at the mouth, you know, and 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 I, and I think how I'm thankful that I don't I don't have that. I, I'm so glad that you don't struggle with that, <laughs> brother. And uh, you know, I'm just, I'll, I'll take all that. But uh, as I struggle with that and look at that, and I think you know, but God still used him. Mm, yes, and God still loved him. And when he turned back how he grew each time. I'd never thought of it like you said, when the Holy Spirit arrives on the scene, how that changes. Yeah, that. I'd, ne- I'd never put that together. That's pretty incredible. Like, that's pretty stinking awesome. When he's walking close to God in like whatever the kind, the kind of The kind of boldness and the kind of, I mean, what he what he does through the power of the Holy Spirit, because we've seen, again, as we just talked about, Peter on himself is going to absolutely lop people's ears off and cuss out <laughs> yes. little kids and yes. do all this stuff and pick himself. But then with the power, when the Spirit comes upon him, what God does in spite of him and through him, like that's incredible. That's yeah, awesome. And if it's on Donna and she's walking on her own and trying to do it by herself, you know, then she's maybe not lopping somebody's ears off, but I'm driving with road rage. Hey, speak for yourself. You know, hey. are you looking? Just, you're carrying a sword. If I, if I, I, I got to do it, I got to do it. Hey, there have been know? some times when I'm driving down on East Megan where if I had had a sword, there would be some earless ears people. Everywhere. Running. Ears everywhere. Stacks everywhere. of ears. ear free for all. Look, I have a brother in Christ I grew up with, loved him man dearly, but I'll never forget the story he shared with us. And if he, I don't think he'll ever hear the podcast. But if he did, he, he might not would laugh as much about it now that he's older. But when he was younger, you know, he carried a, a pistol and he was in the middle and he's describing a scene where he's down on Quintard and Aniston. And if you've driven it down there in Calhoun County and Quintard, you know that that, that ooh, it can set up some road rage. But he had somebody come up and set up on somebody in front of him stopped. It was circumstances beyond his control. Somebody come up beside him, sat down on the horn right beside him. And he just takes and lifts his pistol up in the window is all he did and then dropped it back down and I have never forgot that story because I was like at the time I thought oh wow that's terrible road rage wow who would ever do that and then now I'm driving around with somebody and yeah, you know, d- Donna's driving around you know, I don't carry I don't carry double, for a du- reason double you know? burden every truck that goes <laughs> no, flying past no, 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 no. number one you're number one no 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 but those kind of stories you know as you walk it out a little bit longer in life when you first hear it you're like oh, what I, I, I'm clutching my pearls and you know now now I'm like, oh, yeah, okay. I, get I, I read, saw a meme where a guy said that instead of giving people the bird, I give them the thumbs down, which is just saying I'm really disappointed. In <laughs> <laughs> I, I have started doing that occasionally. I'll just... Mm-hmm. Not cool, man. No. Did not, not cool. pass the vibe I check. I like that. I'm going to have to do that. That's funny. <laughs> All right, let's get back on top. All right, so Monday, Thursday, just kind of segues into about midnight we've got the garden of gethsemane at uh, 3 a.m we have what we talked about where jesus is taken to, to anias's house and then from there to caiaphas's house the high priest and the former high priest peter denying jesus we know <coughs> happens right at 3 a.m because that's mm-hmm. the roman watch that was called the cock crow was right at 3 a.m um so we have the sanhedrin and their illegal trial condemning jesus uh 
by about 6 a.m., we have Jesus taken to Pilate. Some, at some point in between uh, Peter's denial at 3 and 6, him being taken to uh, Pilate's house, Judas commits suicide. Mm. Hang, hangs himself, um, and then the tree limb breaks off, and he falls off the side of the mountain. And, and Judas' story is such a cautionary tale, and it's so, I mean, it's so deep, and it's so... Um, tragic so can, can you ask the question from an eternity standpoint what happens to judas oh he goes to hell i mean jesus says very clearly it's been a long time arranged that one of you is going to deny me mm. but woe to the one that that falls to mm. and so again that uh whenever people come to me and i would say i frequently have people that come to me with hebrews chapter six where the writer of Hebrews says, there is no forgiveness for the one who is seen and touched and heard and then turns back to the, and they're, they're like, what does this mean? Does this mean that you can lose your salvation? I always point to Judas and I always say, there are people who come to Christianity and they sample. They never deeply drink. Now, the writer of Hebrews lets us know that he's not talking about real believers because the very next section he says, but for us, I believe for greater things, things pertaining to salvation. And in the middle of his analogy, he talks about thorns bringing forth thorns. And so a grape bush didn't suddenly turn into a thorn bush. But where the warning is, is that we examine our hearts daily to ensure that we're in the faith. Am I just playing a game with myself? Am I approaching God because I want something from him? And so Judas is definitely a cautionary tale. And Judas, um, I have no doubt, went to hell. Uh, Not because he committed suicide, but because uh, he had never believed what Jesus was teaching and followed him. He was along for the show. The he was along wasn't there. He, he and he he hey when this Jesus guy becomes king, I want to be on his right hand. And he was making some bling on the side. Mm. And money throughout the whole thing. Mm. Okay, we've already covered that. All right, so six Jesus goes to Pilate's um Pilate sends Jesus to Herod, return to Pilate, then uh Pilate argues with Jesus' own people. Hey, and Pilate kind of moves from, he hasn't done what you've accused him to, of to saying, I don't find anything sinful about this guy, anything wicked in him. He hadn't done anything. And yet he still allows uh, the the crowd to get its way, the, the temple leadership. And so Jesus, of course, is crucified uh, around 12 o'clock. Um, we get darkness for three hours, and then around three o'clock, we get the temple torn from top to bottom, and Jesus breathing his last. Um, and so, and sometimes between then and the first two stars coming out, right, right, is when they take him from the cross and take him to the tomb, right. And uh, remember, we have uh, Joseph of Arimathea, who is on the Sanhedrin, who's a wealthy man, who's had a temple made—I mean, a uh, grave made for himself. Now. First century graves, what they would have done is they would have had like a bench. You would have laid the body on that bench and then sealed it. Natural deterioration from bugs and critters and things would have occurred. Six, eight months later, they're going to roll that stone back and it's just going to be bones. They're going to take those bones and put it in what's called an usury box and then put the bones in a niche in that grave. And then the next person that dies goes in the same spot. 
in, in the family or whoever he's allowing to right. use, use his tomb. And so this was a new tomb that Joseph had had made for himself and his family. Nobody had ever been laid in it before. Jesus ends up getting laid in it. Um, and so that happens in that interim. But you're fast approaching Sabbath of Passover, so you can't anoint the body. Um, and so they, they can't do it Saturday, and so they're going to come Sunday morning, these women, to, to do that. So Saturday, we have Silent Saturday. Nothing happens. Um, and as I told the kids, Saturday is, one, is the day that always reminds me that Christianity never claims to be a Burger King religion. You can't have it your way. We want, I want Jesus out of the grave. He said he was going to rise again. Why are we waiting three days? What's going on? I mean, what's he got to do? And the disciples are somewhere cowering in fear. Yes, they are scattered. Um, some of them are in the upper room that they rented for the Passover. In fact, they'll, they'll still be there when Pentecost comes. Um, but uh, they're scattered. They're afraid. Jesus predicted when the shepherd is struck, the sheep are going to scatter. Um, so we get through Saturday, Sunday morning, sunrise, um, these ladies go to anoint the body. And what they would actually do is take spices uh, and rub into the body and then wrap the body with, I guess the closest thing we would have to it was gauze. Um, and that was a way to, to keep it from stinking really bad and making sure that it deteriorated in a way that the, the bones could be collected and preserved. Um, if you recall, between the Pharisees and the Sadducees and Jesus um, would have clearly agreed in this theological point with the Pharisees, they believed in the resurrection. And so those bones were important to protect. Um, and so um, this, they, these ladies show up then, and it's, it's always, I always point out, and I will point out Sunday when we, I preach on Easter, that if this was a planned sort of thing, if the disciples were really planning to deceive the world, um, having the women to be the first witnesses of this would have been absolutely antithetical because a woman's testimony could not be trusted. Um, so these ladies show up. He's not there. Um, they run back to Peter and J J to tell them. The, the text tells us that Peter thought that it was just a bunch of gossip. It's silliness. But they go anyway. Somehow they start thinking back to, well, Jesus did say three days. That's by Jewish reckoning, we're on the third day if he's not there. And so at some point, Peter goes from, ah, this is a bunch of silliness, to he's racing John. John makes sure to include in his writing that he won, which yes. I love. Oh, yes. uh, not that we would compete. Because <laughs> um, two men running at some point, you could be going to the mailbox. Two men walking side by side, eventually that's going to get into a race. Or if you're driving by them on the road yes. and go to pass them, yes. And I guarantee you that the first thing that John said was not, yeah, he's risen. It was like, in your face, I beat you here. <laughs> As he stood by the doorway waiting and let Peter yeah, go. Yeah, come first. on, Peter, catch up. <laughs> I'm waiting on you. Yes. And so we, but you get their minds are racing at this point. You know that they're as they're flying there. We've talked about the dignity in that part of the world and just the fact that they were running, yes, and how important that was. And so they're flying there and they're going there. And imagine how their mind is remembering as all of these things are starting to come back that Jesus has told them. And if you, I believe that Jesus is buried in what's called Gordon's grave. Um, 
if you're coming from the area that's typically thought of as the upper room, I, I don't think there's any other than Constantine's mom showing up there and saying this is the upper room. Archaeologically, there's no way of knowing. Um, it's not that far of a run, but it's far enough to where you would get wind and it's coming downhill. Um, and so just imagine, though, when they get there and the first thing they that they get is that the tomb is empty. The stone is has been rolled back. The Sanhedrin had already sent Roman guards. They're not there. Um, he's risen, like he said. Mm. And so, um, Holy Week ends with an empty tomb. And uh, I think the big question that has to be one of faith, because... Um, Nobody expects dead people to get up and walk around. I've, I've never done a funeral, and I've done hundreds of funerals where I worried that the, the person in the grave might not like the outfit that they had on or that they might complain. Dead people don't, don't do anything. I mean, even Nietzsche said the dead only know one thing, that they wish to be alive. And so we're the, the bedrock of our beliefs— because if Jesus says that on the cross he destroyed the destroyers and that death was killed, if he's still in the grave, then that's a lie. And so the fact that he got out of that grave and that he rose from the dead is the verification that all the things that he said about himself is true. And so Holy Week ends with um, the sun breaking and the tomb empty. And so uh, I hope that uh, you, you, this week you've celebrated that, that this has been a fun, fun uh, learning experience. But I think that uh, we have to end it with the reality that um, that empty tomb is everything to believers. Because if, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, then we're, of all men, the stupidest, and we're playing a game that's just silly. Mm-hmm. Paul says to be, out of everybody, out of all of us, we should be pitied the most. So, go serve your king. This has been Not Another Church Podcast with your host, Pastor Tom. Thanks for listening, and go serve your king.